engines. Open. No. Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön. Remember the advert? It was an advert. It was for which which shop? Sainsbury's. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. It's 2018, so that does mark the hundred years, doesn't it, since the the end of, of the First World War. And uh, this year has been one where we've we've um, we've given tributes to those who were lost and remembering those who had to suffer with the loss. But now. Now our minds are beginning to focus on Christmas, aren't they? And, 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 and all that that, that means. Um, at least my mind is as well. And, and we're either, either into a period of rampant commercialism or, or spiritual meditation. Or maybe even both. I don't know, maybe you can handle both those things at the same time. We've, we've left the war behind now, haven't we? Images of Christmas and war they don't really fit too well together, do they? War is, is cruel 
and cold, whereas Christmas is seen as, as generous and warm. And the pain and the suffering of battle contradict the joy of celebration of, of Christmas, don't they? But for those who fought in World War I, Christmas arrived right in the midst of an intense global battle. Central powers versus the allied powers. And the life in the trenches, what was it? Well, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was brutal. It was gruesome. Uh, for some of us, though, we've, we've seen the documentary that put together this year by Peter Jackson. Have you, have you seen it? We showed a little bit of it. Uh, forgive me that that's not really great, but we showed a bit of it, and it showed the military in, in, fu- in full colour, didn't it? And, and, and they slowed it down. And, 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 and I think what it did was, because we've been so used to many years of seeing these rushed, black and white, flickering images of people in the war, all of a sudden, for me anyway, I realised they were human beings. It wasn't just a documentary reel, but these were human beings with human joys and human sadness and human passions and human grievances. But for a lot of the images, you could see that there were people that were full of, weirdly full of joy. You know, a few of the clips, if you watch them, there's like blue skies, isn't there? There's rivers and streams of clear water that they've managed to capture into those images. And some of those clips... Uh, when you look at some of the men and how they're laughing and what have you, and it's like they're on some kind of laddish holiday. But we know, the, the, we know what's going on. We know what they're, they're going to go into. But here's the thing. War isn't a holiday, is it? It's not a holiday. It's not a laddish holiday. Those kids weren't, and a lot of them were kids, lying to get in. They, they, weren't, they weren't going to spend a good weekend with their mates. A great war, those people had to put up with, with, with some new tech that started to arrive. They had to put up with, with horrors like tanks. You know, first war to use tanks and, and, and mustard gas, which enabled us to, to kill each other ever more efficiently and, and, and painfully. And you're thinking, where's he going with this? It's supposed to be about peace and Christmas. Well, where I'm going is that despite... What we saw, the, you know, the trenches and the doom and the gloom, we, we see that some individuals chose peace. And that from that, I know it's an advert and it's kind of dramatising what, what may have happened. It nevertheless did happen. That, that there was a Christmas day where they stopped fighting and they approached each other and they exchanged gifts and, and, they, and they even supposedly played football on no man's land as it, as it represents there. Something did happen. And, and for a moment, um, um, men, and it was mostly men, it was all men, realised that, that they were human beings. They weren't enemies battling one another. And, and, and the hope and the joy of Christmas just burst in to that, that, that horror and that terror. And I find that quite encouraging because on that Christmas Eve they, they sang and they played carols you see in the advert that they, they were singing German they were singing English and, but they understood the tune even though they were diff- vastly different languages and early on that Christmas day the German soldiers they walked it was supposed to be, apparently the Germans walked first you never know what the actual truth was but the, apparently the Germans walked first shouting Merry Christmas to their enemies I don't know what that is in German do you know what that is in German? say that louder yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas to the enemies. And, and, and Allied soldiers, a little distrustful at first, as that video showed, they, they crawled out of their trenches and, 
And they joined them. They, they shook hands. They exchanged the cigarettes. And, and apparently plum pudding is one thing that they, they had and they were able to, to exchange. And, and they sang those Christmas carols together. Now that Christmas truce is never repeated. And the officers of the soldiers, they made sure of it by threatening punishments. But on that day, just on that, in that moment of, of time, these, these two combatants placed their shared humanity before their grievances and they experienced the Christmas spirit of, of peace in a truly powerful way. How, how many people, I wonder, how many of those men, I wonder, as they were experiencing that peace, thought, could, could this be it? Before, could, could, this, could, could we stop it right now? Hope entered their heart. Can you imagine? Could you imagine being there and seeing that occur? Those, those first few brave souls to stick their heads above the, uh, the trench, the trench water, the trench kind of um, tops of the trenches to be able to go forth and do that. And I think, I think in a similar way, God's peace can fill us. Here's my connection. It can fill us, fill us and rule us even when we're surrounded by death and evil. Even when we're surrounded by some of the atrocities that happen around our world that Kate alluded to, even though we're surrounded by, sometimes by confusion and chaos, God's peace can fill us. God's presence and peace can pierce even the darkest places, even the most painful surroundings and circumstances, including war and any other emotional place or any emotional valley that we may find ourselves walking through. Now, Christmas is typically and rightfully thought of a season as joy, isn't it? Christmas is joyful, isn't it, folks? Yeah. But it can, it can be a painful season for some people. I'm thinking of individuals where this Christmas isn't going to feel like a very joyful time. It's, 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 it's going to suck. Now, the question is, what battles are you facing over 2018? What, what, what pain is relentlessly bombarding you as you hunker down in the trenches of life? What, what darkness are you surrounded by, even under twinkling lights and candles and, and, and decorations? Because that's what happens to us. We're, we're human and we, 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 we go through these things. But Christ is with us. His peace can inhabit us, despite the pain, and despite the seemingly joyless place that we might feel we're in. Even in those darker places, I want to tell you, I want to tell you with absolute assuredness that we can lean into the God who is with us. We can lean into God. Don't lean into anything else. Lean into God who is with us. So I do want to focus in on and I want to celebrate peace which, as Kath said, it's traditionally pondered upon in the second week of, of Advent. Last week, hope. This week, peace. And, and the peace I want us to think about is, is the peace that's been brought into our world by Emmanuel. God with us. It's a really powerful, powerful name. God with us. I think it's in, you know, God with us. Not with us sometimes. With us when we're at church with us when we're doing some other spiritual, but just God with us at all times for those of us who believe. And my hope today that each one of us, each and every one of us will experience the comfort uh, of Christ's deep peace within our souls and, 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 just, and that just like every Sunday, 
We, we allow the praise and the prayer and the worship and the word to not let us leave this place unchanged. Every Sunday when we gather together, just declare, I'm not leaving unchanged this morning. Otherwise, what's the point? You might as well stay at home. Come prepared to be changed. Come prepared to, to be challenged, encouraged, inspired. And this morning, by all that's been brought, by the word and the worship, and now hopefully the, uh, by the, the prophetic word, and hopefully by this word, we're all going to leave changed this morning. That's a good thing, isn't it? So in case you didn't know, the word Advent means, well, you tell me, what does it mean? Coming. See, I always look to the teacher in the room and teacher. Uh, I do, I do. I gravitate to Kate or, or, or Liz, it's whoever it is. It, it does, it means coming or, or arrival. Um, and, and the season is, is one of expectation. It's, it's one of waiting. It's an anticipation. It's a longing. That's why I love this kind of Anglican thing, actually. It's not, there's a few Anglican things I like, and, and not everything, but this is one of them. Like every week, you're seeing it coming closer, remembering the moment where ultimately we light the final candle and we recognize that, that we're celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. That's awesome, isn't it? Um, it's, Advent isn't just an extension of Christmas. <laughs> it, it, isn't, it isn't just to get all the holiday feels in as early as possible. All right? It isn't, it isn't that. It's, 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 it's a season that we come into that links us into the past, but links us also into where we are now, and <laughs> links us into the future as well as we think about Christ coming again. Advent offers the opportunity to share in, in, in that ancient longing that we read about in, in the Bible, that ancient longing of the coming of a Messiah, to, to celebrate his birth, and, and like I said, to, to be alert that he's going to come again. He's going to come again. That's cool. It's like what's in place partially now will come in in full when Christ returns. That is, wow, thank you, Jesus. So, so, so Advent, we look back in celebration, uh, uh, the hope fulfilled in Christ coming. Well, at the same time, we look forward with, with hope and with eager anticipation of the coming of Christ's kingdom in full, in full, when he returns and, and, and he restores all things. Isn't that cool? It's going to restore everything. So during Advent, we wait. But it's an active, uh, assured, and, and hopeful waiting. Each, each week, traditionally, you focus on what? You focus on the different things. So there's, there's hope, there's peace, and there's joy, and there's, there's love. And then in Christ here. But because Jesus is Emmanuel, which is, which is God with us, he's the embodiment of, of all those traits. Oh, because he's good. <laughs> He's an embodiment of all those things. Hope, peace, love, joy. And, and, he, and he entered our world, didn't he? And, and, and he fills us with, with himself now, 2,000 odd years later. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I'm seeing some smiling faces because it's good news. Started off with war, but now where we're going to, we're coming into, into what it all means, into the hope that we have in Christ. <coughs> But now I want to talk about the shepherds. Guys, you're doing a great job at the refreshments this morning. Their surname's Shepherds. Oh, my goodness, that fell flat, didn't it? Oh, oh dear. All right, well, it was funny when I was writing it, but there we are. Every year, every year, every year. Anyway. <laughs> the shepherds in the Christmas story, they often get a bad deal. That's where we're going now. We're going to deal with the shepherds. They're, they're, they're presented as, as outcasts. 
I feel like I'm talking about you now. So ignore what I'm about to say. This is the shepherds in the Bible. Okay, all right. Um, they're a dirty, unruly group. That was at the bottom. Stop laughing. We're talking about... <laughs> they're at the bottom of the rung of society. But not all scholars believe that they were so unworthy, so disreputable. In fact, shepherds at one point, they had a very high position in Israel society. Think about it. Faithful Jews, they, 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 know, they would have known, and they know today, they know the stories of the patriarchs. We should know the stories of the patriarchs. Faith, that, that, that those who were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and who? Even, even King David. All shepherds. And these are, David is, is, is the one that Jesus had a direct descendant from. So whether or not the shepherds of Jesus' day were a rugged, motley crew, which they maybe were, you know, they were men outside in the field, weren't they? Just like the fishermen, you know, like their language might have been colourful at times. Um, the profession does seem to have fallen into, into esteem since the days of, the, of these patriarchs. And, and by this time, they were considered a lower social class. These shepherds that we're talking about, they had a very menial job that involved hard work in all weathers. It's nice in the sun, isn't it? When we see them and we're on holiday, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great just like work out in the fields, sun on my back, you know, oh yeah, all that fresh air. Oh. And then it gets to winter and it's cold and it's icy and it's miserable and it's rainy and it's windy and then it's not as fun. All right, these, these guys had to deal with, with all those weathers, had to deal with, with stinky animals. Stinky animals. We've got a pup, right? She's, she's nearly nine months old. Occasionally she gets the runs for whatever reason. And she's a long-haired dog now. Oh, and she's cute. Oh, she's so cute. She's a little puppy. So cute. Oh, get the hose pipe out. Bless her little shocked face. You know? So, so stinky animals. It's safe to say that a shepherd wasn't what most mothers would have dreamed their little boys would grow up to be, I I, I would have thought. They they were a pretty lowly bunch back then. And at the other end of the spectrum, what did we have? We had the religious leaders of the day, smug in in, in their goodness and and high positions of power. They made sure everyone else knew their place, didn't they, in in this kind of caste system. So we're talking about the people called the Pharisees and and the Sadducees and the like. Not everyone, but... A lot of them, you know, that everyone else was below them in descending order and, and shepherds were right at the bottom. Because cause what they like to do is they, they like to uh, uh, keep themselves lifted up by putting everyone else down. They to keep themselves lifting up by putting everyone else down. They believed that they were the ones that had a direct line to God and, and that his purposes uh, were known to them for everybody else's lives. So in this hierarchy, these shepherds weren't exactly to, to, accustomed to, to being, being contacted by angels. It was, wasn't the done thing. They didn't, expect, they didn't expect direct messages from God through, through these, these celestial representatives of light. I don't know about you, just to pause there, I don't know about you, but I don't think of angels as little baby type things with wings and harps. I, I, massive I'm massive creatures, massive heavenly swords. Like these, God, these, these, are the, these are the armies of God. Ding, 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 ding. What? No, these are, these, are, these are massive beings. 
And, and imagine, imagine the, the, the shepherd's surprise on this starful night, right, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, when the brightest scar in the, in the sky dimmed, and then the whole dark expanse began to glow with this brilliant light of an angel sent from God. I'm going to read you Luke's Gospel because it describes the scene like this. It says this. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them. Radiant splendor, lighting up the field. I don't know how big the fields were, but imagine they weren't small. Lighting up the whole field with their radiant splendor. And it uses words here, with the blazing glory of God. Because I imagine these aliens have been basking in God's presence. And then they took his presence and brought it to earth and lit up this whole field. That was one. That was one angel. Because, because if, if, if the vision of one angel wasn't enough, this glowing guy began to speak. Guy as in the gender neutral term. <laughs> it began to speak to the shepherds. It says this. But for the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news. The most joyous news that the world has ever heard. And it's for everyone, everywhere. Everyone say, everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. And you'll, you will recognize him by this miracle sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. I don't know why I did this. I kind of imagined I was older than a baby. I'm not a feeding trough. <laughs> so you've got this one angel light in the field, blazing with the glory of God. He says this awesome stuff that, that God himself has come to earth to rescue you. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. But wait, there's more. Literally more, not figuratively, literally more, as in more angels. Then all at once, so imagine you're in this field, it's lit up, a vast number of glorious angels appeared. The very armies of heaven. Wow! How many fields were they lighting up now? Noticed from, must be noticed from miles away. It says this, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. Ah, oh, the words themselves are almost unbelievable than the messages themselves. The angels were making a proclamation of peace on whom God's favour rests. And they were making it to shepherds. Could you imagine the confusion and the doubts that were probably going through the shepherds' minds? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you got the wrong guys. But then, but then they're angels. They don't, they don't make mistakes. So I guess that is us. I guess God's favour is us. Is on us. And, and I, guess, I guess his peace is with us. 
Seriously? Now, while we're on the subject of wondering what shepherds might have been thinking during this angelic appearance, I want you to think about what the sheep were doing this whole time. <laughs> I mean, granted, right? Sheep, they've got a reputation for being pretty stupid, haven't they? Right? But it's, it's pretty likely that they also noticed that the, the bright lights and the loud noises, and while the sheep aren't exactly ray horses, I think they, they would have been spooked and they can move pretty fast. I think they'd have, they'd have been out of there. And it seems realistic, I think, that all those white woolly ones would have bolted during that heavenly announcement. Not exactly a peaceful scene on the hillside. You've got light and singing and bah, rush. But the Bible doesn't really tell us those, those, those details. I'm just being a bit funny, really. Maybe it was chaos. Maybe, maybe, the, sheep, maybe the sheep were dazed and motionless, you know. More than likely, it's more than likely that the sheep's response is just pretty irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Got to be honest. But whatever the case, what I'm trying to get is, is that this was out of the ordinary. This, this isn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural encounters with God's messengers and promises of blessing and favour don't come to shepherds. They were reserved for those super spiritual religious leaders of the day. They were the ones that God talked to. But much like much of Jesus' coming, this announcement didn't fill the mould of expectations. Ironically, the religious elite are conspicuously absent from the birth announcement. Don't read about those guys. Those considered by society to be the most holy weren't even given a place in the stable to kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. They're not mentioned. The announcement to the shepherds that God had come to be with us in the birth of the Messiah turned that whole system on its head. It reminded people, and it should remind us today, that God's favour isn't based on, this will make you happy, it isn't based on human standards. It isn't based on how good or bad or how, how clumsy or stupid or ignorant or intelligent or bright we are. They're just human standards. His favour isn't based on that. His favour is based on this. His favour is based on all those who acknowledge their brokenness and, and all those who accept the gifts of hope and peace and joy and love that Jesus brings. So these angels, they appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds received the announcement of the good news. And then they became, they then became the messengers of the bearers of peace. That's cool, isn't it? In, in three short steps, they'd come full circle. Because Jesus' arrival meant a kind of restoration for the role of the shepherds. In fact, throughout his teaching... If you read the rest of the Bible, throughout his teaching, Jesus used shepherds as an example of good things, not bad things. Jesus went so far as to what? Call himself the good shepherd who, who loves and cares for his sheep. That, that restoration of wholeness and, and oneness with God is the essence of peace. Comforting knowledge that all's well and, 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 and as it should be. And that brings peace to, to, to the mind and to the heart. 
Jesus' arrival for the shepherds marked the starting place of peace to, 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 to whom, those whom favour rests, to, to those of us whom he's present, which, which is us. It's me and you, those of us who have received Christ. His favour rests on us. So therefore the God of peace is truly with us. Peace is not, it's not based on class. It's not based on position or occupation. Like we're obsessed with occupation in this country, aren't we? Like, it's, what's she, like in game shows, what's your name? What, where do you come from? What do you do? As if that has any relevance whatsoever. It's like, and, and then, you know, getting personal, well, how, you know, you don't tell each other how much you earn. As if, that has, as if your wealth has any, any point whatsoever to what God thinks about you. No relevance at all. It's not based on class. It's not based on position. It's not based on occupation. But it is based on his purpose. And the design to bring good news that will do what? It'll bring great joy for all people. Glory to God in the highest, as the angels sang. The Prince of Peace has come. So I want to explore what together, what, that, what does that mean? And what does it look like throughout history? And then what does it look like in our own lives today? Okay, I'm gonna, way back in history. Okay, way back in history. As recorded in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is history. Okay. When God gave the law to Moses and, and he set up the rules and duties of the priests to guide the spiritual life of the ancient Jews, he gave them the ultimate blessing to speak to the people. Do you remember, we used to say this every, every week. The Lord bless you. You can say it with me if you want. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Hebrew word for peace used in that blessing and throughout the Old Testament is what? Shalom. And, and shalom carries, it's not, it's not just shalom equals peace. It, it carries so much more than that. There's a rich and powerful meaning. You could have whole sermons just, just talking about different aspects of what shalom is. Because the, the awesome thing about the Hebrew language, it, it's, it's 3D. There's, there's nuances and valleys and, and mountains you can climb up and down and, and see where you're going. Shalom means so much more than just peace. Even though it's a much smaller language. I learned last week at our life group, there's 3,000 words in Hebrew, was it? Was it Stu, can you remember? And there's, I don't know, something stupid like 60,000 English words or something. Okay? For English, yeah. 150. So, so, this, so there's words with 3D. They add various multiple layers of meaning and depending on where you put them in, a, in context of, of language. Um, so much more. So, so Shalom's so much more than the absence of fighting. It's, it, reflects, it reflects safety, um, completeness, wholeness. And, and that, that is the type of peace brought by God with us. And, uh, safety, completeness, wholeness. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. Spoken about by the prophet Isaiah. i read, read it to you. you. You should know it. For, it, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, you can say it, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time and forever. The Jews of Jesus' day, they wanted a Messiah to, they wanted a Messiah to, to establish political justice against their oppressors. So if you, if you weren't aware of your history, that they, they're living under the, what, the, the iron rule of, of the Roman Empire at this point. And, and that wasn't by choice. They didn't invite them in. Yeah, you come and rule us. They didn't do that. It was, it was gritty. It was, there was revolutions and there was, there was, there was battles and, and, and battle scars through the people. That, but, but ultimately, the Jews were a conquered people. And, and they were at the mercy of this, this powerful empire. But the Jews also understood and longed for shalom. That concept of, of shalom is foundational to the Jewish culture and the spiritual life of those people. So, so this completeness and wholeness with God is what Jesus brought into and then left in our world. It's, it's, it's a peace that, that calms our souls. Or it should if we let it. It should calm our souls. It's, 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 it's a calm acceptance that, that it is well with my soul. No matter what swirls and storms around us. You know, it's like the eye of the storm. It's, it's peaceful. It's tranquil. And that's the peace. That's the peace that we celebrate today. And when Jesus returns, he, he, he'll heal all that's been broken. And, and he'll restore God's complete kingdom of shalom. Yet, that, that there'll be absence of war and there'll be an absence of hatred. But even that type of peace is actually an extension of the wholeness that he will establish. Near the end of, of Jesus' life, he spoke these words to his disciples, right? Shortly before he was arrested and crucified, he said this in John 14. I leave the gift of peace with you. It's important, this word, isn't it? I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. So not like chill peace, relax in front of Netflix peace, not having the kids for a weekend peace. Sorry, kids. Not, not that. My peace. The divine peace. The peace of Yahweh himself. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, doesn't he, in this bit of scripture, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. I want to say that again. I just want to say that again. I felt very compelled. All right. This is to you who's feeling this. Don't yield to fear. Whoever that is this morning, or peoples this morning, don't yield to fear. Listen to what Christ is saying to you. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be, and I love it, be courageous. You make me brave. He makes us brave. He makes us courageous. So listen to Jesus' words. Now, he said it to them specifically because, he said it to his disciples, disciples specifically because he knew that they were about to experience a crushing blow. Yeah, but he, he had a gift for them. That was, that was different from anything in our world. His peace wasn't given as the world gives peace. Even World War I, a lot of people say there isn't a World War I or World War II. There's just the war and there was a bit of a peace in between. 
A fragile peace shattered by humanity, brought by humanity, shattered by humanity. That's not the kind of peace he's talking about. Because his, his peace is not a gift that can be taken away. Ne- neither is it something that we can create on our own. It's, and like I say, it's not the absence, and it's important to say this. Peace isn't an absence of. It's, it's a something. It's a deep, it's a fearful shalom. It's not the absence of pain, hurt, noise, violence, or uncertainty. It's not that. In fact, peace is what? Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus with us as the Prince of Peace. And and his assurances to the disciples (laughs) was that even in what would appear to be the most hopeless of situations, he would be with them. So we're talking about his crucifixion and all that went on before that. Their leader gone and dead. And even though they spent years with him, they, they believed that was it. But his peace is his presence available to all of us, no matter what your circumstance. Um, our reconciling peace is Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 14, our reconciling peace is Jesus. Reconciling. It's an important word to use as well. As we experience God's presence, we, we become interwoven in and inseparable from the peace that he is and that he gives to us. Paul went on to say in, those, in, in Ephesians, he has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved through the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His true essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have become one. And we live restored to God and reconciled, reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. (gasps) Through his crucifixion, hatred died. God with us brings peace between us and God, but it also brings peace among people because we're drawn together and we're unified in God through Jesus. That's, that's the perfect picture of shalom, actually. Wholeness, safety, and the restoration of all people as one. So Jesus' peace, it's not something that we agree, we, we, it, we, it's not something that we agree to disagree about. That's, that's not what it means. It's, it's that in him we are made one. In wholeness, we're reconciled to to God and to others in Jesus. So how peaceful is your Christmas season? How peaceful is your Christmas season? If we're honest, we might choose to use words like this. Busy. (laughs) Hectic. Frantic. Um... Or maybe for some of us, we describe that as the whole year. 
And the thing is, maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of peace. Those of you who, who don't know how to say no. Some of us need to learn how to say yes, but maybe for some of us, it's, it's not learning how to say no. Maybe it's something more. Maybe, maybe, maybe that, that hectiness, that busyness, maybe, maybe it's, it's relational conflict. Maybe, maybe it's pressure at work. Maybe it's a lost job, an illness, something worse, you name it. For many of us, then, peace might sound like a long way away. You know, we're kind of grasping for it. It's a good idea. I like it. I hear what you're saying. And the Bible's cool and all that. And I hear what Jesus is saying to me. But, but it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice thought for the holidays. Something we long for. If only we could feel the peace of God with us all year round. If that's where you find yourself today, that's where you find yourself this morning. Let me encourage you that Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace, our hope and our joy. He shows up. But he's not an intrusive God who's going to batter your door down. He's going to knock and wait for you to open it and invite him in. He's always a God of choice. He's a God of peace. He's a God of choice. And he gives us one. But what he is, he's there for us if we need him. No matter what we're going through. And those storms of life threaten our peace, our hope and our joy. He's there when, us, when love seems lost. And the way forward is totally unclear. I think, I think they, can, they, can be, they can be words that are difficult to get your head around. Because it might be difficult and even impossible to understand. But I want you to take comfort that, that even the disciples who I said live with Jesus every day had a hard time grasping this too. Got to love the disciples. They represent us. They spent every day with him for three years. Felt, felt called to follow him so much that they left behind the, their inheritance and their legacies to, 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 to enter into what he had to give them. But even, even, even they had a hard time trusting what he'd said. Do any of you remember that? I mean, I spoke about it a number of months ago. But, so do you remember the story of the disciples on the boat in the Sea of Galilee? Do you know that? Yeah. Well, it must have been one bad storm, mustn't it, on that water uh, that, to make the disciples so afraid. Because they were fishermen, weren't they? Like, I don't know, I don't, stupid films represent Jesus and the disciples, these kind of whimsy, like, Jesus was a carpenter, that's hard work. Like, I spent two minutes sawing a pole in half, I'm knackered. All right? That's hard work. And then the fishermen, you know, it's like, Massive, if, water's heavy, fish are heavy, you know, they, they, these are massive burly men, right, used to, to, to fishing on this sea and yet the storm gets so bad that even they were afraid. That was a regular job, wasn't it? Yet their boat began to take on water and it says that they were terrified. As the, as the waves rose and the wind howled, who slept through it all? Jesus. And finally, the disciples decided it might be a good idea to wake him up. And then they, then, then they took a wrong turn and started shouting at him. Don't you care what happens to us? Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, sometimes if we're having a crappy year or a crappy time because of whatever, we might feel like shouting up to God, don't you care about me? 
despite what you read, despite what I've said, despite what you hear, sometimes, God, I'm not feeling it right now. And, and to those disciples, they're like, Jesus, I'm not feeling your love. Because you're just chilling and we're thrilling. Just made that up. All right. The Gospel of Mark records it like this, says this. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a lake, yeah, it is a lake, but it's like a sea, a ferocious tempest arose. Whoa, what a, whoa. It's, like, it's like Shakespeare. A ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. The boat was swamped. Stern must be quite high, I would imagine, then. Because he was still chilling and resting on a cushion. So they shook him away. Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die? They'd already, they'd already believed, like Jeff said last week, they believed what was going to happen to them. You know, they, they, they'd, they'd put death as their next step, and that was it. That's what was going to happen to us. Jesus, we're going to die, and you're sleeping. Don't you care? Well, fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush! Calm down! It's in um, bold in my Bible, so it must be a shout. Calm down! Like, I, maybe I want to I see Jesus as somebody who says stuff like that. I don't want him to go, Hush! Calm! He's not casting a Harry Potter spell. He's taking the power of heaven and he's going, Hush! Calm down. How many of us speak to our problems in such a way? And maybe we should. Let's not accept it. Liz is always great when she stands up here and brings something she's not happy with because she gets emotional about it. She gets serious about it. And she stands on the word of God. She says, no, hush, calm down. And if you are beginning to dip in this sermon, you're now awake again. All at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became calm. We're just, we're just a command from Jesus. One, one, one sentence. The storm calmed and the sea turned tranquil. And the disciples, the disciples were in awe for very good reason. I think the disciples do sound like a lot like, like us. I really do. When, when things aren't looking good for us, we might cry out before we think and realise we know better, God, don't you care? We think, we think, he's, we think God's not paying attention. <laughs> I doesn't realise the magnitude of our situation. He doesn't understand. He's not me. And we add to this spiral of our own storm. But the reality is, the reality is this, God is there. We know this when we calm down. He's, he's, what? he's, he's, he's God with us. Clues in the name. Always present. And, and he knows all the swirls around and within us. All the swirls. And he sees, but the thing is, he sees beyond the waves and the winds of our circumstances. The power of his peace 
it's not diminished by our storms. The power of his peace is not diminished by our storms. We, we can allow it to fill our hearts with calm and courage as we turn to him, giving him our requests in prayer and, and focusing on his faithfulness. God with us will never leave us. He will never fail. It's, it's this presence of peace that we celebrate on our journey towards Christmas. And, and, and it's this presence of peace that we can access and practice. But how? Now let me give you, give you the very simple answer. When we come to God through prayer and when we choose to spend time with him. That's, 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 that's what happens. When we come to God through prayer and when we choose to spend time with him. That, that's the answer to the question, how do we experience God's peace? So, so if you're not doing it, get into his word. Get into his presence. Things will quickly change. You'll, you'll quickly see through the storm and the clouds will clear and the winds will die down. Because when we do that, it changes us from the inside. God's, God's peace is able to, 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 to bring a powerful transformation in our spirits if we do that. So no matter what we're anxious or worried about, we can bring our needs and our requests to God. But Paul, from Scripture, he described the process like this. He said, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. Be saturated, saturated in prayer throughout each day. You know, a saturation, you're like a sponge, you know, that's, that's who we are. Saturate ourselves in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faithful requests before God with, and this is important, overflowing gratitude. Tell him, this is, this is great. This is, like, this is like no app will, will, will replace this for you. No day one app or calendar app or anything like that. Tell him every detail of your life. It's like go to God every day and go, well, God, I know you know. But I want to tell you, because as your father, he wants to hear. I know pretty much everything that goes on in my kid's life, but I still like them telling me about it. Goes on to say, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding. So despite all I've said today, I'm still not doing it service. I'm trying my best, but I'm still not doing it full credit because it transcends human understanding. Will make the answers known to you. Through Jesus Christ. Boom. So as we talk to him and give him thanks, God's peace grows within us and guards our emotions. Now that's a miraculous peace. That is one that transcends all understanding. It might not even make sense for some of us, given the worry and the fear that we might be facing this morning. And, and, and it wouldn't even naturally exist in the midst of our struggles. But that's the God we're dealing with. The one who wants to be there with us, bringing in his peace. This is our Prince of Peace. The giver of shalom. The giver of his spirit of peace. And when we come close to him, when we, when we go to worship him, like those shepherds did, we connect with him. 
and he transforms us and our outlook. So no matter how bad, I want to tell you, no matter how bad the storm swirling around us and, and within us might be, he can and will calm it. These aren't just words. They're just words this morning. But it's up to you to take the next steps, to spend time with him because he will calm it and he will carry us through it. Let me encourage you in this Advent season to to look for him. Start now. Even when the winds blow and when the storms swirl, you might might find him as a baby in that feeding trough or as a carpenter's son asleep in a boat. It might even seem initially to you as it did to the disciples that he doesn't care. But in the midst of whatever life holds on to you, this, this holds, holds with you this coming week, remember, remember that Jesus comes in power as the Prince of Peace, always with us, restoring us to God through wholeness and comfort. May your peace this week, may he be your peace this week, guarding your soul with peace, filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom and ruling as the prince of peace in your heart. Just close your eyes one moment. Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance, in every possible way. The Lord's tangible presence be with you all. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.